Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. Avantcard offers loans from 5,000 to 75,000 euro, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, and joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing today? I am great, Ryan. How's things with you? Going well, going well. Just looking forward to the start of the new season. And for a lot of us, that means my fantasy league opening for the 2017 season. You get the rookies in the system. That's exciting. Rookies are going to be in our ADP over at DLF. Uh, you get MFL 10s. We're going to talk about those a little bit this week. So it's kind of an exciting time in, in February. And and I assume that's why the site's down right now. Huh? They're updating everything and we're ready to you know, get back in it here for a couple of days, right? Yeah, yeah. They'll have a couple of days of downtime and then hopefully uh, later this week, hopefully maybe by the time folks are listening to this, they'll be up yeah. and running. We'll be drafting brand new best ball teams and things like that. Matt, we've got a great guest today. We've got Josh Lake. He is one of the founders of 2QBs.com. He's also a contributor to Rotoviz and 4 for 4. And he is really one of my go-to options, maybe maybe my only go-to option when it comes to two-quarterback information, super flex uh, information. We've got Josh Lake. Josh, how's it going today? Hey, it's going good. I'm excited to be here, honored to be a guest. Love the Love the show. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you. Josh plays in a couple of my leagues that are Superflex leagues, the Kitchen Sink uh, kitchen sink Leagues. We're starting a new one just in a couple of weeks here. Josh, I- any thoughts on, on Kitchen Sink? I'm just going to pick your brain on that before <laughs> we really get started. Give, give me some strategy tips. Help me out. <laughs> I wish. You're, you're the one that seems to be at the leaderboard most years. Uh, I, I love those leagues. It's just so many things about them. But what I'm really excited about for this new one is this will be the first time I'm in a startup for one. Uh, I've always I've taken over teams in the other two. So I'm excited to kind of from the ground up be involved in a startup auction. Yeah, those leagues are fun. There's there's so many ways to build your team. They are super flex leagues. So uh, plenty of owners want to go quarterback heavy, but they're also tight end premium and Devi and contract, which I think helps the running back value a little bit. Uh, so there's lots of ways to go to build your team in those leagues. And all the flexes as well, where you can kind of build it however you want. Your starting lineup is yours to choose. Exactly, for sure. So we'll see. We've got 48 teams in the in Kitchen Sink 5, <laughs> Kitchen Sinko this time. So we'll see lots of different uh, strategies at work, and I'm going to be watching yours closely and maybe trying to mimic that. <laughs> You're kind. Hey, Ryan, I got a quick question for you before we get started. Sure. I'm in zero double Q, you know, two QB leagues at all. Mine are all very standard. Are you in many or Superflex? Yeah, I wasn't in very many until I started the Kitchen Sink League. So this will be the fifth one of those. I've been in a couple of others over the years. And, and, you know, we we hear people say, and Josh, you're really the one to ask about this. We hear people say the popularity of super flex leagues or two quarterback leagues is growing. And I think it is. But, you know, that that's maybe skewed by the leagues that I play in or the leagues that I follow. What's your perception? Is Is that format growing? If it's not, it really should be because that's, you know, that's the format where quarterbacks have some kind of value. I think it's definitely been growing, but it's a it's a very clear minority in, in leagues, especially when you think about your typical kind of work league or home league. Those really don't have much movement year to year. But I, I've seen the same thing you have, where on Twitter, the folks that are really engaged and playing the game a lot and know the players, 
that they definitely are moving more to super flex because it just forces you to learn a new base of players that you really haven't had to in one quarterback leagues. Yeah, I, I guess I've seen the comments and, and it, it is from the minority, but I've seen comments of like, I only play in super flex leagues. Uh, you know, quarterbacks in traditional QB one leagues have no value. And, and I, I agree with most of that, but it's still, it doesn't seem to be gaining the traction that so many hope it, it would. Right. So surprising to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I was going to say, I totally agree with your pitch for it. I'm, I'm very much in favor, but it seems like one of the biggest arguments I get against it for people that won't change is, well, the NFL only starts one quarterback per team. Fantasy is supposed to mirror the NFL. And I, I just don't think that argument holds a lot of water personally. We're not trying to mirror the NFL exactly, or we would do things very differently in fantasy. Well, if there were 32 teams in your fantasy league, that might hold water. Right, and you have offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Like, it's right, a right. completely different game. Yeah, I have, I've seen a few leagues out there that do try to mirror the NFL, and if that's what you're going for, that's fine. But to fall back on that, yeah, you're right, doesn't really hold water. Josh, along with two-quarterback information, all, all that info that's floating around your head, and, and we want to hear about that, I know you're also really interested and an expert in these MFL 10 leagues. And as I said earlier, they hopefully get started later this week. I know you've been doing a lot of work with those, putting out some really good content, especially focusing on the quarterback position. Have you felt or do you feel, I guess, that doing a lot of MFL 10s, especially early in the year, February, March, can that help you with with your dynasty play later in the offseason? I think that one of the ways it helps is that if you think about the dynasty season right now, we're kind of entering the time to buy veterans because they're becoming so devalued. Everyone's getting really excited about the rookies that are coming in. Everyone wants their rookie picks. And so veterans are a lot cheaper right now. And one thing that MFL tends do is show you perception of how these players are going to look next season. And so if you're a competing team looking to pick up some veterans, this can really show you the guys that are being devalued as far as what people expect next year and kind of gives you an idea of guys you can go out and target pretty inexpensively. So uh, I know Brian Malone has written over at DLF about the one-year window with an asterisk and viewing Dynasty is what can I do to win the next year and just focus. And I, and I feel like MFL 10s really help with that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Even if you're not playing in these leagues, you should at least be following along, following the trends, the ADP data that's released. And, and it's for exactly the reason that you mentioned, just kind of getting an idea of how the community feels about these players. And, you know, if you're, if you're playing in these leagues, you're keeping up with the news, you're following the latest from around the league, and, and that can only help you in, in your dynasty leagues as well. Well, let's move in specifically talking about some strategy points when you're playing a super flex dynasty or a two quarterback dynasty. First of all, do you see much difference? I know those those two terms are kind of thrown around interchangeably. Super flex versus two QB. Obviously, the difference is the requirement. Super flex, you start one with an option to start a second. Uh, two QB, obviously, you're starting two each week. I guess I prefer Superflex just for the flexibility, but if you're playing Superflex, you're trying to start two every week anyway. So do you really see much difference in, in those two categories? Before you answer, you know, to me, 2QB sounds like it's too hard. You know, mm -hmm. like, because there's only 32 starters in the league, and if six teams are on by and, you know, you don't happen to have your backup, I mean, is there times where – in these leagues that are pure to start two QB that somebody doesn't have a starter in. Yeah, there absolutely are. And yeah, I think, me, I don't think that it's an ongoing debate whether that should exist or not. Um, you think about a, a 10 team league, you're not going to have that situation. You only need 20 right, starters right. in a given week. So two QB really is directed at the 10, the 10 team format in a 12 okay. team league. I'm with you. I don't, I don't like where you, you put an owner in a situation where they cannot field a starter in a week. I just don't – I don't think that's a good thing for the game. So I, I am much more in favor of Superflex when you're talking 12 teams and larger for kind of the reason Ryan said. It's not that you're not trying to put a quarterback there, but it does help you out. You at least have a starter if you're in a bad situation on a bye week or something like that. Um, as far as the way it plays out differently, the ADPs tend to look roughly the same. 
Um, but it, it is in those big two quarterback leagues that kind of to Matt's point, those look a lot different. Like you have some crazy bizarre trades when you're preparing for bye weeks, you have really weird values on starting quarterbacks. And so knowing that there's a shortage because in bye weeks, there's not going to be enough starters to go around. That's, that's really the biggest difference to me. Uh, you know, I get, I, I get the question a lot, Josh, um, about strategy for two quarterback leagues and and the differences and and that's what we want to talk about uh, today. But sometimes I think it's as simple or it just boils down to value the quarterback position a lot more than than you do in a normal league. It is it that simple or there's some um, some details there that maybe I'm overlooking if I think that. No, I think that's that is absolutely true as the starting point. When you double the the demand for a position, the the, the value absolutely goes up. So I think that's that's a hundred percent true. But I think the nuance comes in in realizing that it really shouldn't double their value. Even though you're doubling the demand, it's still a very deep position where you can find starters. And so I think the nuance is in how much to inflate the value of quarterbacks, but I'm totally with you. They do go up for sure. So and a, okay, in a two quarterback league, even a ten teamer, who's like the worst quarterback that's rostered? Like, is Landry Jones rostered in all those? In ten teams, I think he's probably on the borderline. But you've got a whole okay. lot of Brett Hundley, Brian Hoyer, Matt Schaub, guys that people think could become a decent starter. Landry Jones, I don't know that even when he's on the field, a lot of two QBers right. are that excited about him. But yeah, you're definitely getting down there to some backups that you're not even close to in a one quarterback league and Hoyer's in every league, somebody like that. Yeah, absolutely. Someone that can come in and put up 12, 14, 15, 20 points in a week. Yeah. Those guys stay on rosters generally during the season off season. They may get dumped. Yeah. I think, I think that in season versus off season is a good, uh, a good point. I know once the regular season hits in a, in a super flex league, like the kitchen sink leagues, I'm grabbing my, my starters backups. You know, if I have Andrew Luck, if I have Matt Stafford, without even really caring who those guys are, I want the backups on my roster just in case of an injury or something like that. So even if they have, you know, even if they've proven to not be a good quarterback, I'm still going to roster them if they're the primary backup to my starter. Handcuffing is even more important than ever. More important and easier, right? Like if you think of handcuffing well, a running back, we never know. Like you guys were talking about Oakland on a recent podcast, and like is it Jalen Rashard? Is it DeAndre Washington? Like who knows? At quarterback, that's very rarely the case. Even in the preseason, we generally know who the handcuffs are in most situations. So you just mentioned Oakland, and it dawned on me. So it was like Connor Cook drafted in your two quarterback leagues or your super flex leagues with, you know, He'd come into the league as a three and maybe turn into a two. Are people into him? I'm just trying to get a feel. Yeah, in rookie drafts, absolutely. Guys yeah. like Connor okay. Cook, Christian Hackenberg, Dak Prescott, all of them were drafted, absolutely. So, Josh, let's let's dig into some of your specific strategy, your personal strategy when you're starting a new quarter, a new two-quarterback league. How early do you like to invest in quarterback? I know some people – you know, they're they're spending their first rounder on quarterbacks in a recent ADP, which we'll talk about a little bit more. There were three quarterbacks in that first round range. So in general, uh, and I know it can depend on maybe what pick you have in the round, but how early are you taking that first quarterback? So we'll probably get into it more because I had the first pick overall in one of the mocks you did recently. And I, spoiler, did not go for a quarterback there. And we'll probably get into that in more detail. But to me, I, I see quarterback as a very clear top tier. Um, and you can debate whether it's a tier of two, three, four, but there's a very clear top tier. And for me, if I'm going there, that's great. But if not, I'm willing to wait several rounds and get one of the kind of interchangeable guys down in the QB 10, QB 12 range and just be stockpiling wide receivers like you would in a typical startup. So I, it kind of depends on the room and also which which position you're in, like you said. So somebody like Mariota, Winston, that are pretty much guaranteed to be starters for the foreseeable future, aren't tar- top tier guys. In your they're opinion. not to me, they're not in the elite tier because we just don't. Right. They're know, not locked. Right? 
Right. Like, with both Mariota and Winston, could they be, get there? Yes. But we haven't really seen enough to say these guys are elite when they're on the field. Luck is just throwing so much that I think he's in a different category for me. And, I, you know, hearing you describe that, kind of your thoughts on the quarterback position in a super flex league, I, I guess I'm thinking back to how we how we treat running backs in a typical league. You know, you've got your top tier of Bell and Johnson and and uh, Zeke, and if you can get one of those guys in the first, yeah, you probably do that. But do you chase Freeman in the second? Do you chase, you know, Lamar Miller in the third? Probably not the best idea. So kind of sounds like that matches up with your quarterback thoughts. Yeah, I think that's that's a great way of putting it, a good analogy. And I will say it's just because of the consistency at the position. Even a bad quarterback touches the ball so many times in every game, you'll get double-digit points. Whereas if you wait on the other positions, you may not get a guy that gets five points in a given week. And, and so there's just more security if you're waiting at quarterback. You guys recently had an article on your side at 2QBs um, basically advising, and I think this was written by a DLF or Nathan Powell, uh, but basically it was uh, advising two QB owners to overvalue the elite quarterback. So we're talking about luck. Uh, again, however you, however you create those tiers. For most people, I think it's Luck, Rogers, uh, Cam, and Russell Wilson. I think that's probably the consensus top four right now. Is Carr creeping into that? I think he's right up against it for most people. Okay. So, Josh, what are your thoughts about overvaluing those elite quarterbacks, especially those four? I mean, are, are those guys uh, attain them at all costs if you're talking about an existing Superflex Dynasty League? The existing part is where I hesitate, and I, I don't think I'm misinterpreting Nathan, but one of the points I think that I took away from his article is, especially in the startup, is the time to overvalue those guys. Because just across all Superflex leagues, what we see is that the cost to acquire those elite guys goes crazy once they're on a roster and someone says, I've got my guy, I'm locked in for the next 10 years. It's real hard to move him off that team. Whereas in the startup, for whatever reason, people are so accustomed to waiting on quarterback, they, they know late-round quarterback's a thing, and so you can, you can get these guys later and cheaper than you do once they're actually established and people feel some possession. These are, these are my guys. You know, Josh, as I, as I kind of mentally prepare for this new kitchen sink league and think about all these different strategies like we mentioned earlier, I was thinking about Russell Clay, and Russell was uh, in the kitchen three, kitchen sink three startup a couple years ago. And I remember he, it, this was clearly his strategy, but he went out and spent, I believe it was over half of his total startup money to get Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty sure those are the two quarterbacks, but he got, he got two of those top tier guys. And, and then, you know, we went into 2015 and Luck kind of had, Luck kind of struggled a little bit. And therefore, Russell's team struggled. But this year, he won the championship. He won the title. He has two of those guys. And, and you know, they're going to be locked in for years and years as two every week starters. He doesn't have to worry about that position. He can spend all of his assets, all of his uh, time building the other spots. That seems like a pretty good strategy. I'm sitting here thinking that's a great strategy. You know, three years down the road and you have those guys and you've got three years worth of rookie picks that – you know, running back and receiver while everyone else is scavenging for quarterbacks. That's pretty nice. Right. And think about rookie classes that we've seen come out. I mean, we've seen some good quarterbacks, but we don't have someone jumping to the elite tier, but think of how many wide receivers and running backs have come out in recent classes and immediately jumped into the top 30 in startup ADP top 20. And that's just not something we see a quarterback much. So yeah, I'd agree with that. It's, you can definitely focus on wide receiver and running back and expect to get some really top-notch players with quarterback. It depends on the draft class. You know, not to mention, you know, along those lines, then you're not taking Johnny Manziel at 110 or EJ Manuel or, you know, Deshaun Kaiser and hope he hits, you know. I mean, you're, you're taking the more safe bet going forward. Right. No, it's. I think if you could do that, that's great. I think there is a lot of truth to – if you can get strong quarterbacks on your team, it gives you so much flexibility elsewhere. 
And I guess if you're transferring that strategy to a, a startup draft, which is which is more common than the auction, obviously, you know, maybe that's taking two of those top four at the one twelve two one turn. Um, so spending your first two picks uh, on quarterbacks. Uh, Russell's Russell's looking pretty smart right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and plus you can always deal one of them. I mean, somebody will give you a fortune for luck if you get in a real bind. Right, like Josh mentioned, you can you can name your price when you have guys like that on your team. Speaking of prices, I want to talk about our friends over at Loot Crate. You get a good price from them right now, Ryan. And if you are on a quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles this holiday season, Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture's items for less than 20 bucks a month. Whether you're shopping in for the geek in your life or if you are that geek, Loot Crate is the best surprise you know is coming. Every month there's a new the- a different theme and a new exclusive items that you can only get with Loot Crate. Treat yourself every month and give the gift of geeking out to a friend or a loved one or to yourself. Roll up your sleeves and get ready to celebrate some of the pulp culture's most put-together franchises. February's hands-on theme is Build and features Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Batman, Lego Dimensions, and Tetras. And as always, our monthly t-shirt and pin. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and get the Build theme for this month. And when that cutoff happens, it's over. So make sure you head to Loot Crate, www.lootcrate.com slash Dynasty Blueprint, and enter the code Dynasty Blueprint, and you'll save another two bucks off your new subscription today. So that's something you got to check out. Josh, in these Superflex Dynasty leagues, of course, the quarterback value is greatly increased. We've talked about that quite a bit already. Have you noticed any one position suffering as a result of, of that increased value? To me, it's the tight end position because it, it in general kind of mirrors quarterbacks in one quarterbacks one quarterback leagues. I know Matt says all the time, why pay for a quarterback? It's not that big a deal. Like we can always get another one. Tight end can be similar. If you don't in previous years, if you didn't have Gronk, why why pay for it? You could find somebody late that would be fine. And so when you kind of move <clears throat> move tight ends twin quarterback up in value it kind of separates the two more and there's just less and less emphasis on tight end and just some crazy values. I mean, you can get tight ends so crazy late in most two quarterback startups. I guess that makes sense. If you're, if your typical one quarterback league is filled with wide receivers and running backs dominating the first four or five, six rounds, and then people grabbing their tight ends and, and uh, quarterbacks later in the two quarterback format, super flex format, Quarterbacks are valued up there with the running backs and wide receivers and, and even higher in most cases. So then that leaves the lowly tight ends down by themselves in the late rounds. Josh, late round quarterback has has really been a trend. I shouldn't even call it a trend. It's it's almost a mainstay at this point for the past three, four years now. And people are happy to wait and grab Phillip Rivers, grab Eli Manning, uh, grab Andy Dalton in the uh, in the late rounds of their startup draft or their redraft. But can that strategy work in two quarterback leagues? It can work, but it looks a lot different. So you are not waiting until the double-digit rounds to get your quarterbacks like you could in a, a one-quarterback startup. Um, they, you just have to have different rounds in your mind when you think late round. But it can work kind of to the point I raised earlier. There's so much consistency at the quarterback position, both week to week and year to year. There's just not as much turnover that you can wait on the position and feel comfortable that you're getting a reliable starter in, in the later single digit rounds. I mean, round five, six is probably about as late as you can go on your QB one. If you want someone that's reliable kind of end of the QB one tier, but it, it absolutely can work. You just need to be comfortable that you may be really streaming your quarterback two position and asking yourself questions like Trevor Simeon or Alex Smith this week. And you may not be comfortable with that, but if you are, it, it definitely can work. You mentioned Dalton, though. I mean, how much more valuable is Dalton than Alex Smith or Simeon? I think it's a matter of perception. I I was surprised to see how high Dalton was in the January ADP. I think pretty highly of Dalton for a couple of reasons. So if we contrast him with Alex Smith, 
Dalton routinely scores in the top 12 on any given week. Now, not every week. He has really ugly, terrible weeks, but he'll have half of his weeks in the top 12 most seasons. Like the last three years, he's had at least seven top 12 weeks each of those three seasons. Alex Smith hasn't had seven in any one of those years. And so kind of the upside is much higher with Dalton than it is with Smith. Smith's reliable. He'll get you some points, but you really don't have the upside that can win you a week, whereas – the floor is much higher, too. No, that's true. That's true. I mean, Dalton has some just disastrous weeks. Um, and so that, to me, is the difference. It's what are you wanting to do with the position? Are you looking for a game-breaker that can win you a week, or are you just looking for someone that's reliable and not going not gonna to bury you? Well, the only, I mean, the only real upside with a guy like Smith is that you can wait on him. You can grab, you can grab that wide receiver in the third round and get Smith you know, Smith in the sixth or seventh or eighth. Um, the upside does not come in, in owning him alone, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Josh, I'm really interested to hear your take on this. This is something I asked on Twitter recently. If you're thinking about quarterback rankings or ADP or, you know, whatever type of rankings you trust, and you're looking at that for a normal one quarterback league, should that just be transferred directly to a two quarterback league? Or do you think the value, especially outside of the top 10 should change? I think it changes some, but not significantly. Like you could pull in a, a one quarterback ADP or uh, the quarterback position, the ADP or the rankings, and you'd be just fine going into your startup that way. Um, But I think, I think it should shift a little bit at the QB2 position because in a in a normal one-quarterback league, the boring guys, the Joe Flacco's or Alex Smith's or things like that, you really don't care. They, they can be roster cloggers in a one-quarterback league because you're never going to start them. You don't care. You can pick up somebody else. In a two-quarterback league, those guys that have a combination of youth and secure jobs, that's a lot of value. Just the fact that you can say, I can probably – count on this guy being a starter for the next five years that's a lot more valuable in a two quarterback league than a one quarterback league oh i would think by leaps and bounds right because you can have a flash in the pan if say tyrod taylor doesn't never plays a game again he would have been a great one quarterback asset for a couple of years because you can dump him and who cares i'll get another guy but in a two quarterback league if a guy's only good for a year or two the value is just so much lower because it's hard to find another starter the next year so those that own Tyrod Taylor are nervous right now because they probably don't have three other guys that are NFL starting quarterbacks. Right, and especially not guys that are in hitting QB1 weeks the way Tyrod was. Sure. And so I think that's probably where I'd say it shifted is the stability, the kind of stable job roles can help you out at the QB2 position. And so some of those guys I'd bump up a little over really risky assets down kind of at the bottom of your QB rankings. So if you've had Philip Rivers for the last eight years, you're pretty darn happy. Right. Think Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, all of these guys that are really yeah. healthy, really stable. You've been really thrilled if you drafted one of them as a rookie. And those guys, put, you know, are late round picks in you know one quarterback leagues. Right. Cool. So Josh, if you see those types of players gaining value in a two quarterback league. And, and I agree with you just because you can plug them in as weekly starters. I think the young guys gain value too, just on the chance that they become the next top 10. So, you know, I mean, golf looked terrible last year. Paxton Lynch barely got to see the field, you know, that rookie class outside of Dak really bombed, but I think those guys still have value in that format just for that, you know, quote unquote upside that they still carry. So who is it? that's losing value, you know, in this situation? Is it the Tyrod types? I think that depends on how secure you think his situation is, right? Like some people are confident he'll be a starter wherever it is in 2017 because he's just that good a talent. Other people aren't sure. Like for whatever reason, the Bills have seen him and said, you know, we're not ready to commit. And that scares people. I think it's the ones that are even less certain. So the Colin Kaepernick's, the RG3s, the ones that everyone's pretty much on board saying, we have no idea if they're going to be a starter for a full season ever again. Um, in a one quarterback league, that could be great because if any of those, those type of quarterbacks are able to play, you can plug them in in a week and do fantastic. They could be a top, top five option. Um, 
But I think at two quarterback leagues, it's those really risky. You may never even see them on the field again. Those are the types that, that plummet or should. Ryan, we didn't talk about this last episode, but kind of thought about talking about rookies. But right now in Dynasty, you know, the one quarterback leagues, I'm a little off topic, but I'm really trying to buy Wentz, Goff, and Lynch on the cheap. I, I think those all three of those guys could have significantly better second seasons. And I think the coaching change in, in, the, in L.A., I was about to say St. Louis, could really help Goff too. But, boy, he looked bad. I, I like the idea of buying them just because I think they're so cheap. Exactly, yeah. It's throw-ins. Sure. I guess they do carry name value. Like, you know, last year I drafted, and we are, we're talking one quarterback here for a moment, but last year I drafted Lynch in the early fourth round of one of my leagues. I don't think you could buy him for a fourth rounder right now. I don't, I'm not sure you could buy Goff or you certainly couldn't buy Wentz for a third no. rounder, even though that's where they were falling, you know, this time last year. So, you know, that just tells me that quarterbacks, in the, if you're talking third or fourth round of a rookie draft, are pretty safe investments. Even if they look as bad as, as those three did at times, they still are going to have some value in, in year two. Absolutely. Josh, while we're talking about rookie quarterbacks, let's, let's transition that over to two quarterback leagues. How highly do we value in general? And we don't, we don't have to talk specifically about last year or about this year, but just in general, how highly should we value rookies uh, in a two QB rookie draft, rookie quarterbacks, I should say. It, it seems like if they look like the starter, they automatically become top tier. You know whether they should should and are deserving of that or not. Uh, you, you know, Goff was going in the top half of the first round last year in in many of those drafts, as was Wentz and Lynch. Um, the same thing could, you know, could happen this year with Kaiser and Trubisky and Watson. If those guys end up on the Bears and the Browns and the Bills and Tyrod's gone, San Francisco, right. Should they be top-tier rookie picks? So I think it's two questions. One's descriptive, what is normal in leagues? What are you going to have to pay to get them? And then one is the should, like what's a good strategy for rookie drafts? Um, as far as what factually happens, we have kind of a small data set when it comes to real life two quarterback and super flex leagues. But the last couple of years, I've tried to put together rough ADP to say what happened in these drafts. And what what I have found is that every year for the last three years, it's you can say there will be at least one quarterback in the first six rookie picks, and usually it's two. And whether that's right or wrong depends on your your breakdown of the class and whether these are good or bad quarterbacks, whether it's good or bad skill position players. But you just factually, if you want one of the top two quarterbacks, you're going to need to spend a pick in the first half of the first round. Um, but this is, I'll note, this is one place where two quarterback and super flex leagues vary a whole lot. Um, the first quarterback this year, Jared Goff, was taken almost identically at pick six in both formats. But Wentz and Lynch went much, much later in Superflex leagues by three and six picks each, respectively. And so in Superflex leagues, what we are seeing over the last few years is that if people aren't sold on a quarterback, they may let them fall. In a two-quarterback league, it just doesn't matter. Like, like you said, if, if you think they have a shot at starting, you probably are going to need to pay a top pick for them. So I assume, especially in two QB leagues, if you're not like the dude that has Luck and Rogers, or you don't have the Rivers and Eli, and you know you maybe you have one and a big question mark, you must always feel like you're trying to keep your head above water. You know, like I got to reach for Kaiser or Lynch. You know, in every rookie draft, and then you're passing on such good players at other positions. Like when right. you get in a hole, you stay there. Right. No, it's, isn't it like the, you can kind of analogize it to quicksand, how they say you feel terrified, so you struggle, but the struggle pushes you down further. And I think that's your point is that exactly it's this perceived fear of I'm going to be destroyed if I don't have a quarterback, but there are ways, right? You can always, I mean, for the last, I don't know how many years in a row, there's been more than 50 quarterbacks that start any given week in a season. And you can always find those guys, whether it's the Hoyer, the Schaub, the Matt Barkley. You can find week-to-week guys as needed, or you can trade for one of those really bad guys. You don't have to hit on a rookie pick. So 
is it good to, to draft quarterbacks? Absolutely. But don't, don't destroy your team. Don't pass on these fantastic wide receivers just because you think, well, I've got to take a quarterback even if I don't like him. So, Josh, as you mentioned earlier, we have done some recent uh, Superflex Dynasty mocks at DLF. We uh, just wrapped up five of those, and we're going to have that ADP on the site soon. And you were kind enough to participate in one of those, and you drew the top overall pick. So we just want to look at, uh, at some of the decisions you made in that draft and how your team ended up. With that first pick, you, you mentioned this already, you didn't take luck. You took Odell Beckham. Did you consider luck at all? Is OBJ easily top player in that format? For me, it was an easy decision, um, although smart minds far smarter than me would disagree with that. I'll, I'll mention that Dwayne Brown has been tweeting through his two quarterback ranks, and he said that Aaron Rodgers is the clear 101 tier unto himself. So there, wow. there's, there's a debate among people what's best, but for me the biggest thing that I see – is that if you look at the value, it's kind of like charting on a graph. Wide receiver has a few elite guys and then really tails off hard. Quarterback, you can be fine for 20 quarterbacks. I mean, there, there really are 20 quarterbacks you can feel safe with. So if you pass on a, a 101 quarterback, I can still get somebody pretty good with my second or third pick. Wide receiver, it's not so clear. I feel like those elite guys, whoever you have up there, Odell, Antonio, Julio, the younger guys, there are only a few of them. And so I felt more comfortable taking a guy that is elite, but is in kind of a very small tier in his position. So it's a matter for you of, of the gap between those tiers, it sounds like. Right. All right. So you've got, you've got OBJ, you're going, now you've got the long wait until your second and third pick at the corner. Uh, I think a lot of people, feel that pressure to grab at least one quarterback there. You didn't do that, though. You took uh, Devontae Freeman and Alshon Jeffrey uh, in the second uh, second and third round. Tell me about those picks. Were there any quarterbacks you did consider there, if you remember off the top of your head? Now, that really shocks me, to go three picks and have a huge weight again, and you still don't have a quarterback. I'd be peeing my pants. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I will be curious you guys take on the – who I should have gone. So I am weaker when it comes to running backs and how to rank them, how to value them. For me, I saw Devonta Freeman as the end of a tier. Um, the next running backs drafted in our draft were Melvin Gordon and Lamar Miller. And to me, that's very clearly different than Devonta Freeman. And so here was just a pick because I saw a tier break. And so that's the only reason. I don't know whether he's going to be good for several years to come, if he's kind of winding down. I really don't know. But I, to me, there's a clear gap there. With with Alshon, that's where I really debated it because M Matt Ryan and Dak Prescott were both on the board there. They were both very tempting. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, Rob Gronkowski, all those guys were still there on the board. So I felt like I could have gone any number of directions. Um, and if I felt more convinced that Dak Prescott is has top six upside at quarterback, I absolutely would have gone there. But I. I have kind of some lingering doubts whether he will get to those heights. Like, could he just be another guy along the lines of Matt Stafford, Matthew Ryan, that are really good, but they're never going to be in the elite tier for years and years. Matt Ryan's a bad example because he just had an elite year. Um, but that was kind of my thought is I don't see a clear guy to go with, so I went wide receiver there. But I, I think you could have gone either way. As for Freeman, I agree with you that he's probably the end of the tier or the start of the next year. But I think it's promising that Atlanta is looking to sign him long-term too. So I don't think he's going away anytime soon. I would have had a hard time taking Jeffrey over a quarterback though. Would you have gone Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott? Ryan. Yeah, yeah I think, Ryan. I think I would have gone Dak there. Um, but also, you know, just that, hindsight that we have now that I can look at your full roster and we'll get to some of these other picks, you know, soon. I really love the way your team turned out. So I think in hindsight, you made the right call, but you know, the names you, I mean, the names you mentioned Gronkowski and, and Keenan Allen and Diggs and Jeffrey and uh, you know, pretty soon all of these rookies will be included in these drafts as well. You had a lot of good options. It sounds like maybe trading down in that spot. Of course, that's not, not available in our mocks, but if you're in an actual league, 
that may be a spot to trade down and stay within that same tier. Absolutely. And I think that's one place you can do a lot of research if you're new to two quarterback leagues is see how the ADP is different for the sake of trading up and trading down, because it has a different flow to it than a one quarterback startup does. Do you think, you know, on, on that same note, do you think, I guess we're talking standard deviation now, but do you think the, you can almost throw ADP out the window because in some league, in some two QB leagues, it seems like the whole, you know, all 12 guys just somehow agree, okay, we're going to treat this, you know, we're going to treat this almost like a one quarterback league. We're all going to wait. And in other leagues, guys are drafting three quarterbacks in the first four rounds. So, I mean, it kind of seems like it's all over the board. Do you, do you find that that's the case? Yeah, that's, that's very much my experience as well is that, it's very hard to say how the draft is going to go because like you said, it, it just depends on the valuation of quarterbacks and that can be so different league to league. I do obviously think the ADP has value even in this format or we wouldn't have done the exercise, but uh, I think it's, I guess I would say it's less reliable than a one quarterback league. I think it, for sure. It's less reliable for the reason you mentioned, and also because the, the sample sizes are so much smaller. I mean, it, we are talking such a minority of drafters that when you have such a small data set, it's hard to say for sure this is how other drafts will play out. So, Josh, you mentioned that the flow of two QB Superflex drafts are much different. You also mentioned you jumped on Freeman because you thought he was at the end of a tier. So let's say, you know, the, the top guys are gone. And the majority of the second tier quarterbacks are are gone. Is that a great position to be in? You know, for example, you take a quarterback in round one, you take a running back, you take a receiver, you know, whatever, and you you have your two quarterbacks, and you're sitting there on the clock, and there's like one glaring quarterback on the board right now that everyone's looking at, going, "If I don't get him, I'm going to be stuck with a tier three guy or a tier four guy." Can you hold that pick for ransom and get a ton in return? In most leagues, I would say yes, because there there is there are a few clear tier breaks. Like you had asked about Carr earlier, and say prior to this last year, he, Mariota, and Winston were kind of a tier unto themselves. These young guys that looked so good, and if two of those three had gone, you could absolutely just get a king's ransom if you're sitting on the okay. pick and looking at that third guy. But it, once you get beyond the very clear ones, I think people's rankings of quarterbacks are so different that it's harder to do that in the later quarterbacks. We keep coming back to these tiers. And I mean, if I could tell, you know, give one piece of advice to anybody that's new to the two quarterback format or really dynasty football in general, it's become familiar with, with those tiers at each position, because, you know, like Josh has said, Freeman was at the end of the tier for him. So he pounced on him. He didn't see, he thought there were plenty of quarterbacks left in that next tier, so he waited on that position. That is just so important in, in these dynasty drafts. All right, Josh, let's look at your fourth and fifth round pick. Again, you're you're at that corner, so you had the 412 and the 5-1. Uh, you took, you finally went quarterback, you took Ben Roethlisberger and Andy Dalton there at the five, uh, four and five pick. We talked about Dalton a little bit, and I guess I'm surprised. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and mention this as well. In the sixth round, almost two rounds later, you took Rivers, which I, I love getting those three quarterbacks. I think all three of those guys are reliable and have some of the traits that we talked about earlier that um, make a good group. I guess I'm surprised that Dalton went ahead of Rivers. Um, so just talk about taking Dalton in that in that fifth round spot. And I'm kind of shocked that Rivers and Ben lasted as long as they did. I was as well, to be honest, especially Ben. I mean, Ben is thought of as a a better quarterback than Rivers. He's consistently in kind of for redraft. He's a top six or eight pick at quarterback most years. I think probably some of this has to do that we were drafting this right as the news came out that he would have to contemplate whether he was going to retire or not retire. And so I think that was probably part of it. Um, when it came down to it, I agree with you. I, I thought there was no way that Rivers would fall to my next pick. I don't, I had no intention of taking a quarterback in the sixth round. So when I was sitting on the clock, Ben was easy for me, but it was the Dalton pick that I wasn't sure of, kind of to your point, Ryan. 
Dalton was there, Philip Rivers was there, Tyrod Taylor and Blake Bortles, Carson Wentz. There were several guys I could have gone with. And I, I, like I said earlier, am higher on Dalton than a lot of people are. And so to me, the, the youth really pushed him ahead. I mean, he and Rivers, in terms of points per game and top 12 weeks, are relatively close. The, the difference is that Rivers is thought of as a better NFL quarterback, and he has a longer track record. And we feel more secure he'll be the starter. Uh, but Dalton has roughly the same sort of scoring in terms of fantasy and has a lot more years of career ahead, assuming he remains a starter. So that's where I went kind of, you were talking about earlier that we have to go with younger guys just because they could like, same thing here. He has more potential career years left. So that barely pushed him ahead of rivers for me. So question to both of you, let's say you're, you know, a pretty decent team. And you have Rivers, Ben, and Dalton on your Superflex 2QB league, whatever. Are you shopping one of them? Are you entertaining offers for take one of these guys off my hands for future first and a young running back or something like that? I'm probably not. Um, I mean, Are you happy with those three? In general, I, I mean, if you think about, man, we've talked about it plenty on here. When we're building teams in a one-quarterback league, you and I both like to build around the wide receiver position. And mm-hmm. – when I'm drafting those wide receivers in a new league, I'm drafting not only to build my team, but I want to create a shortage of that position for other teams. So I might take, you know, it would not be strange for me to take five wide receivers with my first five picks. When you move over to this format, I'm basically treating quarterbacks the same way. So even though, you know, we can only start two, I might, I might, you know, the, the same move that Josh made. I'm, I'm taking three with my first six, maybe three with my first five, because I want those other people in my league panicking, chasing, maybe making bad picks. But they might make you a bad offer for them, good offer for you. You know, come crawling to you and say, I can't use Pactus and Lynch right now. I'll take him off my hands and this young running back or young receiver that you covet. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, considering everything right i mean if i I want three starters maybe even four and and i'm not necessarily shopping those guys though i'm always always willing to listen all right so josh with your um we already mentioned your sixth round pick so we'll jump jump ahead to seven you grabbed emmanuel sanders so through seven rounds that gives you uh three quarterbacks ben dalton and rivers freeman at running back and beckham Jeffrey and Emmanuel Sanders. What are you thinking of your team at that point? I like it a lot to compete right away. And that was kind of why go Sanders there. I I didn't enter the draft with a plan to kind of go veteran heavy and to really compete year one. But with the run of three quarterbacks I got, it really said to me, look, you can compete right away. Probably start prioritizing some older guys than you would otherwise, guys that are consistent producers. And just looking at the first seven picks, I think even not looking at the other teams, I have to easily be a top half team in the first year, possibly even better than that. And so I'm kind of shifting into what else do I need to really make this a a contender in year one. All right. At the eight, nine turn, you, you did grab a little bit of youth. Uh, You got Will Fuller at eight, 12 Cameron Meredith at nine, one, just to give you some more wide receiver depth. Uh, 10-11, Delaney Walker and Deshaun Jackson. So now your your wide receiver really stacked. In, in this format, you only have to start one running back. Through 11 rounds, you only have one running back. Are you panicking about that, or do you still feel confident with your team? No, it's for me an intentional choice, although I will say as soon as I made the pick, I felt like Cameron Meredith was way too early. That was the wrong pick there. It was the right idea. I wanted to get some younger receivers to fill out the team. Um, I could have gone anywhere else there, maybe running back. But to me, no, I I really devalue the running back position personally in these two quarterback super flex leagues because we talked about tight end earlier and how it changes. Running back gets put on the same playing field as quarterback all of a sudden if you have to start two. When you only have to start one, you really don't need the position. You just should not be emphasizing it too much. Um, and so I'm okay waiting. Running back is a position with so many injuries and so many rookies that produce that it is a position you can kind of fill in as you go. Whereas getting those stud wide receivers is something that, I mean, that just sets you up for years to come if you can find one. Josh, I think my two favorite picks you made are 
Delaney Walker and Deshaun Jackson at the 10-11 turn. I mean, they're old, but they're not ancient. You know, they're not Jason Witten and Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, Jackson's going to sign a big contract with a new team. You know, maybe he's in Philadelphia again. A lot of rumors there. You might they might be every week starters for you for the next three years. Yeah, I love this sort of drafting where you hit these middle rounds and you take veterans because everyone is starting to say, "I got to go with the young guys. I got to go with the known, like the the up and comers." I love getting guaranteed production. Somebody to your point, you can just plug them into the starting lineup. You can if if it looks like a redraft player, I'm all about that. Right around rounds 10, 11, just scooping up the guys you can plug into your starting lineup. Josh, let's finish out your roster. We had 20 total rounds. Um, in the back half of the draft, you took Charles Sims, Adam Thielen, C.J. Fedorowicz, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Zach Zinner, Vance McDonald, Brett Hundley, Rex Burkhead, and Dwayne Washington. So n- no surprise, the two guys we really want to focus on from that group are Bridgewater and, uh, and Hundley. So, I, you know, I think at, at this point in a one-quarterback league, those guys are not worth the roster spot. Bridgewater, of course, because of his injury, and and we just haven't seen anything from Hundley yet. He's stuck behind Rodgers. Who knows if he'll even get his shot in Green Bay. But in a two-quarterback league, they're certainly worth the roster spot. Yeah, for sure, and for very different reasons. Because Bridgewater, the things you said about him are still very true in a two-quarterback league. Like His knee is not getting healthier for a two-quarterback league. His bad play is not getting better for a two-quarterback league. So – no guarantees that he's good, but we also, he could easily, it's within the realm of possibility. He comes back in the middle of 2017. He jumps right back into being a full-time starter and he turns into the quarterback we all thought he would when he, when he came out of college. And so it's just kind of an upside play. Like you said, it's in a one quarterback league really don't care, but a guy with the potential to be a starter, a guy that the team invested in and may go back to like, there's some value there. Um, so I'm not I'm by no means out on Teddy Bridgewater for for this type of league. So in this type of league, he's on every he's he's not a free agent anywhere. People are still hanging on to Teddy. Yeah, I would be shocked if he's on on waivers in any two quarterback league. Would you rather have Teddy or Glennon? Probably Glennon because we haven't. I mean, Glennon. I'm no Glennon fan. I don't think he's incredible, but he is pretty close to a starting gig. Right, like the off season, he's likely to start. We saw him start before, and he's okay. Teddy and and Glennon can't be that far apart in what we've seen on the field, and Glennon is the more clear route to a starting job right now. When he signs his contract, we'll know for sure. Right, you know, I mean, somebody has starter in mind, but yeah, I would think Glennon has more value than Teddy right now. Josh, in this. These mocks we did, we only did 20 rounds, which are uh, very small rosters for a two-quarterback league, especially Dynasty. But, um, you know, your typical two-QB Dynasty is probably at least 25, maybe up to 30. So let's, let's, I guess, transform to that mindset for a minute. If you've got 30 roster spots, how many quarterbacks is too many to have on your team? Um, Jeff Diefertiller, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but you guys have had him yep. on the podcast before. Oh, yeah. He is really, well, he's one, just a great dynasty player, but I'm in the kitchen sink leagues with him. I'm in one league where he and I are in the same division and he's really cornered the market on quarterback. I mean, he's had all the young quarterbacks coming out there. It's a Debbie league. So he can get them while they're still in college. And it's incredible the deals he's able to get because teams are coming to him and saying, I've got to have a quarterback. Which one are you willing to get rid of? What can I give you? And, and it's really worked for him. I do think that depending on who you are, there can be some backlash to that. Other owners can say, well, forget you. If you're trying to force our hand, we'll just go to somebody else for a quarterback. And there can be some like interpersonal backlash. As far as ideal roster, I'd probably. Are you saying he has like six or seven quality ones or more than that? Yeah, he's his roster has at any point in time like eight quarterbacks on it. But remember, it's Debbie, so a couple of them may still be in college. But they're all guys that are well thought of, whether they're a starter okay. now or on their way to it. Um, to me, I I would tend towards kind of five five to six would be what I'd be looking at. Three that are pretty reliable starters, hopefully, and then then after that, looking at kind of the backups, the rookies, guys that have potential, but. Beyond that, I'd rather be stacking other positions because you're getting into such long shots. Like, do we really want Connor Cook on our roster, even in a two-quarterback league? 
or would we rather go with a good wide receiver that's probably going to see the field? Like those are the decisions you're making once you get beyond five or six. But AJ McCarron is certainly on every team, right? And he's your fourth or fifth quarterback, I would think. Right, kind of all of the names you basically every backup quarterback is is flirting with rosters, if not fully rostered, just because you're think you're talking about 60, 64 quarterbacks. The majority of those backups are going to be on rosters. Josh, we, we've talked a lot about this uh, Superflex ADP that we've created at DLF, thanks to your help and, and the help of so many others. So let's go ahead and dive into that data now. And our top 12, our first round, we did have three quarterbacks. We had Luck, Rogers, and Russell Wilson. And I guess as we go over this, we'll, we'll go round by round here for the first few rounds. I just want to hear if you think that's – fair value for those players or if you see them as being maybe overranked or overvalued at that point. So Luck, Rogers, and Russell Wilson in the first. Fair game? I think so. To me, Wilson is a little step behind. I wouldn't mind if he slipped into the beginning of the second, but I have zero problem with Luck and Rogers being first round picks. So you're taking a Mike Evans over Wilson? I would personally. Yeah. Okay. All right, the second round, we actually had five quarterbacks. Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Derek Carr, and Dak Prescott. Josh, the thing that stood out to me here was that Cam was closer to the Winston-Mariota group than he was to Wilson and Rodgers. I still value – I definitely value him over Russell Wilson. I think he's in the conversation more with Luck and Rodgers. I don't know if you agree with me. If you can get him in the second, that seems like a steal to me. Right. Like I, I am lower on Cam than some, but I'm with you that he should easily be in that discussion with the top three guys much more than he should with these other guys that are still up and coming, but we're, we're hopeful, right? With Cam, we've seen it. We know what he can do. I don't think he should be in the same tier as the young guys where we're hopeful they'll hit those heights. So going back to something you said earlier, if you can't get one of those top four Personally, you're probably not taking Winston, Mariota, Carr, or Dak in the second round. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, that's very fair. I, I am much lower on them than, than the community is, just because, like I said, we have not seen them hit the elite heights, and they're being drafted as if we're sure they're going to get there. Well, again, so what's it's interesting to me is the guy, you know, we haven't quite got there yet. I jumped the gun, but especially after this past season, how can you take Winston or Mariota or even Dak ahead of Ryan or Stafford? And, you know, I, Ryan, you said you'd, you'd, you'd take Dak over Ryan, but I don't know, Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford are not old and decent offenses and highly productive. And uh, I don't know, I, I think they would be, you know, my almost a tier to themselves before the Winston tier. Well, right or wrong, the why is is the same reason we're taking Dante Moncrief over Jordy Nelson or or over yeah, Doug Baldwin. Um, you know, we the quarterbacks see, play so much longer. That's true, and I th- I think that does get lost. You know, uh, I mean, I remember. I think I've said it on on our show before. I remember dumping Tom Brady because he was thirty two. You know, he was he was old, and now you know now I look silly for that. Of course, um, Stafford might start ten more years. Right. Stafford's 29. Ryan's just turning 32 here soon. But yeah, the biggest difference is that Winston is eight years, eight and a half years younger than Matt Ryan. And so if you believe he's as good as some people do, then that's eight extra years you get of a starter. And and that does make a difference. But I'm with you that I think Ryan and Stafford are probably undersold in a lot of these leagues. All right, let's look at uh, – and, and, Matt, you already mentioned it. Ryan and Stafford, both in the third round. They were the only two third-rounders. The fourth round, we see six quarterbacks coming coming off the board, and this is really where teams that haven't drafted one yet are, are reaching. Um, Cousins, Breeze, Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, one of your picks, Josh, Carson Wentz, and your other pick, Andy Dalton. So all six of those guys – end up with fourth round ADPs and we end up with a total of 16 quarterbacks in the top 50 of our ADP. We already heard, of course, your, your thoughts on Dalton and Ben. What about these other guys in the fourth round range? I'd be interested in hearing some Matt had said earlier that Wentz is one of the guys he's buying in one quarterback because he's so cheap. I am. I, I would agree with that. I, I don't play in a lot of one quarterback dynasty leagues, so I'm not disagreeing. 
But I'll say, in, I'm just not sold on Wentz. It's baffling to me how highly he is drafted right now. Could he become a decent quarterback? Sure, but we just saw one of like just a terrible second half of the season from him, and he's being drafted with Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Tom. Like that doesn't make sense to me that he's going there. Um, so he's the one that stands out first. Yeah, Josh, I will tell you his ADP again. If you're talking about standard deviation all over the board he came off as the 25th overall pick in one of our drafts so top of the third round 28th pick overall in another one of the drafts but in one of them he fell all the way to 77 so you know the opinion on him is clearly varied widely and it ends up with this fourth round adp but he's another guy you know maybe you have to reach for in the third or maybe he's falling to the sixth round I could see why ADP would be all over the board on him, especially the way he ended the season. I think one of the mistakes I make most in Dynasty, which you know makes sense with my, my career, is I take people that are – I always side for football players I like. You know, like if I'm starting an NFL team, I'm all about Jameis Winston, but that doesn't mean he's going to win me fantasy leagues. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a mistake you can easily make is these guys look really promising, but his supporting cast isn't all that great. Um, you know, they need a lot of work to put around them. His numbers on a week-to-week basis, fantasy-wise, aren't that exciting. Josh, the last thing we want to hear your input on before we wrap up tonight are some of these quarterbacks who could potentially be on the move this this offseason. Some of these guys are free agents. Some are expected to be traded or cut, but each of them are, are most likely going to end up with a new team. Think about Jay Cutler, Tony Romo, Colin Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, and, and then a couple of less proven guys, I guess, Mike Glennon and Jimmy Garoppolo. In general, guys like that, they, they seem to be values, I guess, in, in a two-quarterback league. They're, some of those guys are going outside of the top 100. Uh, are those guys you usually try to gamble on? I mean, even thinking like Cutler and Romo, they're towards the end of their career. I don't think that's – that's a, a stretch to say that. Are you even messing with guys like that, or are you let, letting someone else do that? Yeah, I think this is an interesting list because there are, there's two different groups here. There's the ones, like you mentioned, that are on the tail end of their career arc and have had good value. I mean, both Cutler and Romo have been really highly valued in leagues for, for years. Um, and so for them, I think there is room to add them and say, I'll get a starter for next year at a cheap price because the owner's scared. He's losing value quick. He's just trying to bail out before the whole thing sinks. Um, the other ones are kind of moving the opposite direction. So guys like Glennon and Garoppolo really a year ago, two years ago was the time to buy them when it was clear, this team is not going to commit to them. They're going to move on. Both of those guys are going to see value spikes right now as everyone's anticipating, will they end up in a great gig? Will they be a great starter? Right now, their value is really going up and up. And if you hadn't acquired them earlier, I'd have a hard time pulling the trigger because I think the asking price is going to be pretty high for a whole lot of unknowns. Where are they going to be? How good are they going to be? We just don't know. I would think the time to buck Lennon was the minute after the commissioner announced Jameis Winston's name. Bill <laughs> <Tampa>. Right. <laughs> As for Garoppolo, I would fall into my normal tra- – I think he's going to be a very, very good NFL quarterback, and I think he's going to get traded – if I were the Browns, I would make sure he comes to Cleveland. I'm very much a believer, but that would be my worry is, yeah, he's going to be a really good player, but if he's in Cleveland, what kind of numbers is he going to put up for the next two years? I mean, even if you like him, his situation might really hurt him. Right, we don't know. I mean, Cleveland, yeah. San Francisco is such a dreadful position. Right. I mean, there's some really crummy positions. I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I've, I've had Garoppolo on almost every one of my, my rosters for a couple of years now. Because I think there's a twofold reason to grab guys like that. One is, I, I'm with you, I like the talent. I think he probably will be a good quarterback. But even if I'm wrong, we know that his value is going to go up. Like, if he moves to another Fair team, right. he becomes a starter and he's more valuable. If the Patriots say we're not trading him, it's going to be taken as a sign he's the heir to Brady and his value is going to go up for that reason. So kind of either way, you're going to see an increase in value. And so that's why a guy like Hundley, going back to earlier... Well, Someone that just is in a situation where it can only get better and they're pretty cheap, that's when I want to acquire them. Did that make sense? Like, Hudley could be the next wave of these guys. Like, now's the time to get him. 
But do you think Jimmy's value goes up no matter what? I mean, if all of a sudden it comes out tomorrow, he got traded to the Niners, everyone's going to go, oh, man, I was hoping for something better than that. I think that's a huge gap between one quarterback and two quarterback leagues because I'm with you. In a one quarterback league, I'd be disappointed. I'd question whether he's useful. In a two quarterback league, his value absolutely goes up because anyone that's starting under center in week one has a lot more value than someone that's on the bench. So, Josh, when you look at those other guys, and, and they're certainly not, you know, you don't get excited about adding Jay Cutler or Colin Kaepernick to your team at this point, even in that two quarterback format. But I think back to your point, all of these guys are going to gain value over the next few weeks and next couple of months because I think they all end up, at least at the beginning of the season, as starters. So Cutler, Kaepernick, Romo, those three guys might be super cheap in a two-quarterback league. And when I say super cheap, of course, I'm, I'm in, in relation to other starting quarterbacks. You know, you're still probably going to have to spend – a second rounder on those guys, but those seem like those seem like players to target right now before they do change teams. Yeah, I think it's just a question of how much their owner is anticipating it. Because I'm holding Cutler in one of the kitchen sink leagues, and I've been disappointed. He was bad this year. He's going to move on, and now I'm on the upswing. I'm I'm getting optimistic as an owner. I'm saying, all right, I'm finally going to have some value. He might be a starter. I, I may be able to. And so I've already got the optimism that makes it harder to acquire them. And I think you may see that already, even though you're right. We don't know yet where these guys are going to land. Yeah. That's a, that's I, I feel like the ship already sailed, though, on buying low on Jimmy or Glennon. Oh, I agree. I agree. Okay. Uh, it, it, probably in any format, but it, right, especially right. in, in Superflex or two quarterback. Well, Josh, uh, that will do it for us tonight. We want to thank you so much for joining us. And before we wrap it up, tell all our listeners where they can find your work. Sure. So I'm on Twitter at Lake2QBs. I'm interacting on there all the time. I love talking football. And then, like you said earlier, my writing's at 2QBs.com, Rotoviz, and 4 for 4. And I, I love this time of year. Kind of like you said, this is really the start of a whole new season of a different type. Thanks so much again, Josh. And we'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>